Hey folks, Jason Pye, joined by my buddy Buzz Brockway. Welcome Hello to the Jason, Peace Planet Podcast. You? I'm good. Welcome to the Peace Planet Podcast. It's just yes. Buzz and I this week, alone on an island. Uh, yeah. And we are we are going to make do without Eric and Scott. We shall, we shall uh, nevertheless, we persevered, right? Just like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Uh, before we get into the topics, one thing I do want to know up top, because I usually say that's the end, but I'll say it up top today. Please download, like, subscribe, watch us on, um, watch us on YouTube, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the peach pundit. Uh, we post all the videos there in addition to posting the audio on uh, Apple Podcasts and the video on YouTube. So please check us out and um, make sure you're tuning in. This uh, I've noticed that a trend, an upward trend in lis- listenership lately. So uh, yeah. it seems like we're we're getting more listeners every day across the spectrum, it seems. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, but this week I'm in a, a strange setting, Buzz. I'm in, I'm in Reston, Virginia right now, which is where I yes. stay when I'm in the Imperial, near the Imperial City. Yeah. So. Wow. I'm glad you're not actually in it at the moment that, you know, you go in, do your work and you get the heck out of there as fast as you can. Right. No, that's exactly how it was today. I got in the office this morning at like 945 or something like that. I had five meetings today. Well, one in-person meeting, four phone calls <clears throat> and I was done at three 30 and I was like, you know what? I'm going, I'm going home. So yeah. I am, I'm driving back to the Southland tomorrow. Right. Uh, so yeah. So if, Friends of mine who know me who have my phone number, feel free to give me a call at any point in the afternoon. I will need to the uh, the the entertainment. So uh, just <laughs> give me give give me a call. Uh, so uh, so we got a we got actually got a bunch of uh, stories for you this week, and we're going to start off with one that I wrote uh, last I think last Friday. Um, so there's some uh, there's always you know we, we as we say on the Peach Fund podcast we like to engage in wild speculation. Yes. Uh, about about different things. So there was a story that uh, that I uh, there's something I noted from Politico Playbook, which was actually Politico Playbook covering a CNN story about how Senate Ma- Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is concerned about Herschel Walker's potential candidacy uh, in the U.S. Senate race in Georgia and is trying to find a viable candidate to in that race and has floated the idea of both David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler uh, running. Um, and he's McConnell was supposedly meeting with Latham Sadler, who is the former Trump administration uh, or Trump White House staffer who, uh, you know, had an impressive fundraising haul, $1.4 million in Q2. Um, and that uh, some Politico also noted that like some Republicans are concerned about Leffler being damaged goods, uh, mm-hmm. going as far as to compare her to Martha McSally, which is really insulting because McSally was appointed twice and lost to both these Over two. Yeah. City- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, current sitting senators from Arizona, both uh, Chris Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly. Um, so in one she, day she'll like, be a uh, answer to a trivia question, right? Who lost to the, <laughs> both senators in Arizona within the space of eighteen months or something? Yeah, it's like, it's like how bad of a candidate are you? Uh, so uh, that's the kind of anyway. But on I, I noted that in context of something else, and that was a poll that came from uh, public policy polling. Which is, um, I will concede up front, is a Democratic-leaning polling company. Uh, but according to 538, which which ranks all the polling comp- uh, pollsters across the country, they're actually one of the higher-rated ones. Um, so, but the poll showed that uh, Warnock has leads over uh, Walker, Leffler, and Gary Black. Uh, uh, Warnock leads Walker 48-46, leads Leffler 47-44. 
leads Black 46-38. Now, Walker and Leffler are within the margin of error. So statistically tied. Gary Black, not so much. Um, But Walker has – the the good news for Walker, he has a a pretty positive favorability uh, rating um, Mm -hmm. where Leffler – is viewed unfavorably by 47% of voters. I think she's only viewed favorably by like, by like 25%. Wow. And I think black is, I think black is like 15, 15, but most voters don't know who he is. Right. Um, and Warnock has an approval rating that's currently above water, but only just uh, it's oh. 43, 40, 42. So it, it leads one to kind of wonder, um, wonder what's uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a dogfight regardless yeah. of what happens regardless yeah. of you know because like there's only money poured in this state whether republicans have a top tier candidate or not it's going to be a dogfight. yeah i mean i think it's the the interesting numbers that you mentioned there leffler with that high negatives i, I wonder if it's a combination of she, she went through uh you know pretty brutal primary you know versus doug collins then a an intense race against warnock and then she uh, she stepped out and said she was going to challenge George's electors and then turned around and didn't. So Trump world is all mad at her. She just kind of made people mad across the spectrum. And but that's 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 hard. To, I mean, 47 is a high number. It's really hard to turn that around. Uh, I mean, I know she's got a lot of money, but wow, that, that's an expensive proposition to turn that around. And that money didn't do her much. I mean, yeah, she she lost by what? I remember, I can't remember how many votes she lost by 30 or 50,000. I mean, it wasn't an, a massive number, but you know, yeah. 30 or 50,000 votes. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember off the top of my top of my head, but I mean, you know, it was a close race, but you know, all the money she poured into that run. I mean, like, I mean, I think we, well, I don't think we've discussed this before, but like, I mean, I remember being at home a lot more at Christmas last year and watching, seeing like every time I was watching TV yeah. During every commercial break, I was like a barrage of like four or five ads in a row. And like, yeah, one was the N- the NRSC one was Leffler's campaign. I heard and then I would get one from Ossoff and Warnock. And, you know, <laughs> it was just it was it was a lot to take in. But like all the ads that the NRSC and Leffler put out, like, it, you know, it you know, at the end of the day, like it didn't work. Right. And, you know, and, you know, I don't know. I just I just don't see I, I don't see her. Yeah, she's got money, but she I don't see her as being like a serious like she I mean, she's a serious candidate, but she's not viable. Yeah. And I think it, you know, for her, uh, you know, she's been down that road once already. Does she want to do it again? Or does she want to continue to build uh, her greater Georgia uh, uh, organization, which is showing some signs of early uh, success? You know, yes, it was a Republican leaning house seat, but they, they tried to use it as a proof of concept for their get out the vote efforts and they they did a pretty good job getting out of the vote so i mean sure. that that's that's a way that you know if she if she wants to have a political future that might be the best short-term path stay away from all the trump mess and just focus on helping other republicans getting elected you make a lot of friends that way when you help other people get elected so yeah but like i think we're also at a situation right now where we're in the last we're in the last sort of realm of of republicans being able to win statewide in georgia yeah i mean we're we're that's it's the, the land the, the land is or the, the landscape is shifting right ever so away from republicans where yes 2022 is going to be competitive regardless of who runs against warnock or even even to some degree state statewide yeah and um 
and uh so we're i don't i don't know like so it's only going to get it's only going to get more marked marked in in 2020 uh 2026 when there's another state of state right. statewide elections no i think you're right and it and it's 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 definitely and this this is where i think republicans you know we've talked about it this before but where i think republicans are really making a mistake you know we've got candidates who are more or less, in order in order to try to win a Republican primary, they're staking themselves uh, staking themselves out as the most pro-Trump person in the race, and that may work in certain parts of the state, maybe most of the state in a Republican primary. That is, I just don't know. We'll find out next year. I don't see how that's a viable uh, way to campaign on a statewide race in a state that's a toss-up state and uh, yeah. and trending blue. I just don't see. Uh, how that's going to be a, a, a great path to victory for these folks who are trying to do this. So I don't yeah. know, but it, I mean, it is interesting. The Hers Herschel, you know, for, and I, I think this speaks to, I mean, he was a running back at Georgia 40 years ago. There's a heck of a lot of people in this state, heck of a lot of people who attended the university of Georgia who might not know who in the world Herschel Walker is or was and what he meant to the people of the state. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he starts with name ID that's higher than than many other first time candidates. But um, I don't know. I think if you know if you're if you're wanting to run a celebrity candidate like that, you want uh, you want to show you have a poll that shows you winning before you jump into the race. So <laughs> I don't know. No, that's now, I did see that's one true. thing. Uh, if, you know, we, there's been some attacks on Herschel recently, and we can talk about one in a minute. But um, you know, Jeff Hollinger on Channel 11, longtime sportscaster before he became the news anchor, uh, was remarking how how shocking it was for somebody like him and like guys like you and me who've been in the state of Georgia a long, long time to see Herschel Walker attacked. You know, imagine the day when I mean, that that would have been unthinkable uh, that Herschel Walker would be attacked uh, by people. Uh, that's so that's <laughs> that is a pretty no, amazing no, I mean, it's because I mean, I mean, as a Georgia fan, I mean, I mean, everything, everything you hear about Herschel Walker is just about the glory days of Georgia football. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, and, you know, the, the famous Larry Munson calls of, you know, Herschel Walker yeah. literally running over Tennessee defensive backs and linebackers right. and <laughs> you know, running into the end zone and, you know, but it, things, you know, and that's, and that's why I said, like, you know, when, when I was talking about Herschel Walker's favorite in the, the post I wrote at Freedom Works, like, or at Freedom Works, at Peach Bonnet, talking about his, um, his favorability rating. It's like, yeah, it's, he's, he's, he's viewed very favorably by Georgia voters, but like, right. I mean, he's, he's under, he's under 50. Yeah. You know, but he's, he's viewed overall favorably it's like you know plus 15 plus 20 i don't remember off the top of my head i closed out the post in my, my browser but yeah <laughs> um but but like that's that's because he he that's all that people remember when some of the right. negative things start coming out about him which they're they've right. already started to come out the yeah the stuff he's and when he's even in his own book and and just by default because of how divided we are as a country the moment he takes a stand on whatever issue half half of the people are automatically against it and so it's, yeah, it's um, <laughs> that favorability rating. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, and then you have things like another, another attack on him, like just, just the other day uh, you had uh, a, an associated press story, I believe that came out that yeah. showed that 
that showed that Herschel Walker, who who said that all uh, that voter fraud should be prosecuted, turns out his wife, who is a resident of Texas, voted in Georgia last year. Um, so from from actually actually this is from the AJC story, but the AJC story said election records show that Julie Blanchard used her her Atlanta address to return an absentee ballot, which she mailed in October from the couple's residence in Westlake, Texas. <laughs> Blanchard also owns a home near Buckhead. Um, and the quote here, uh, the quote here is, uh, is, is pretty interesting. If, if we're residents in both places, is that legally wrong? Blanchard, Blanchard said when reached by the Atlanta Journal Constitution on Monday, if you have multiple homes, why can't you vote where you have a home? Blanchard hung up when asked follow-up questions. Um, but you just get you know, to, second, I, I don't know, she's saying you get to vote in all those places or you just, you, you know, Hopefully she means at least you just have to pick one, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you, yeah, I mean, like, and, and that's the thing, like Raffensperger said last year during the runoff, like he was going to prosecute people who, who moved in temporarily from out of state. And that included Andrew Yang, who was a, you know, a Democratic presidential candidate in 2020, who said he was going to move to Georgia for the runoff so he could vote right. for, he could vote for Ossoff and Warnock. And it's just right. like, it, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know where the Secretary of State's office is uh, about that, and and here we are actually talking about the Secretary of State's office while not talking about something <laughs> stupid he did. Uh, but right, but but it, it's it, but like you know you have you have those situations where it's just like I I don't know it's yeah. it's um it's it's just like, like come on man yeah, like, you have to laugh every, because. Every documented instance of voter fraud I have seen, like actual voter fraud, has been done by someone who claims to be a Trump fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there was that lawyer about the time that Andrew Yang was, you know, he never actually did it, but he, he floated that out. And then people pretty quickly said, uh, you can't do that. Uh, there, right. there was an attorney in Florida who was attempting to do the same thing and say, well, look, let's flood Georgia with Republicans. And, uh, and, and win this thing. And uh, th th I, I don't know what the status of it was, but there was, a, I remember Raffensperger did comment on that and said, nah, uh, don't do that because I'll, I'll bust you. So, yeah, I mean, you can't make this shit up. I mean, it's, it's just, come on, man. It's, it's just like, but like, you know, but like Herschel Walker, like, you know, I, and like, I get, I get that she's your wife, but she committed voter fraud. Yeah. <laughs> like, so should she be prosecuted? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's maybe, a legitimate maybe, question. Um, <laughs> maybe Biden should uh, contest the Georgia election and say, I won by a bigger margin because so. <laughs> of all these stolen votes. <laughs> that is, no, Biden absolutely should do that at this stage. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I mean, the only voter, the only evidence of voter fraud I've seen has been committed by people who claim to be Republicans. Right, so, I mean, so. you know whatever uh so i but the interesting interesting and and buzz flagged this for me uh there's a post that's from a website called rrhelections.com i have no idea who runs this i have no idea whether they're credible or not but they 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 mentioned um on a july 9th post that uh talking about the georgia senate race uh, it seems after much coaxing and speculation, Herschel Walker probably won't run for Senate in Georgia. This is likely a good thing at this point, as we've been dancing around this for a while and reluctant candidates usually make bad candidates. If Walker is out, Congressman or Rep Representative Buddy Carter may enter the race. Carter represents the coast and might split, uh, might easily split the non-ATL vote with Agriculture, Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black, 
allowing a strong Atlanta candidate to win the primary to face uh, Senator Raphael Warnock. Again, don't know who these folks are. Um, I do agree with the assessment that reluctant candidates usually make for bad candidates. That's true. Um, <laughs> that is true. Um, but it, it certainly seems at this stage, here we are in August, um, it, we're still a ways away from people paying attention. I think we're probably a year out from people, like after Labor Day of next year, when people are going to start really paying attention to, um, to the general election. But for a primary race, yeah, you know, that's, that's May. What, eight months away. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and, I mean, and just it, yeah. to, to, to stand up a campaign, a statewide campaign to build infrastructure, to raise money, those things take time. And uh, for those, yeah, for those things, the clock's ticking for sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like uh, Walker, if Walker is seriously still considering this idea, like you, you probably need to announce soon. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, Jason, you and I were talking before we hit record, uh, you know, if, if he's just not, to me, acting like a guy who's thinking about it, who's thinking seriously about it, you know, you, you would see, you would hear regular comments from him. You would see him showing up at various places around Georgia, talking to people and you know, yeah, I'm th- you know, getting, trying to get feedback and see, is this viable or not? Uh, and we don't see any of that from him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know, I know, like, there are candidates who are running statewide who are already starting to show up at local Republican parties. I mean, I mean, I, I haven't been, yep. yeah, I haven't, I haven't been involved in the Newton County Republican Party in like seven years, but like, yeah. you know, because I, you know, but like, I mean, I know I'm still on their email list. So I know, yeah. I know, like, some of the guys who are running the like Kelvin King came out and visited, you know, back yeah. in like May or June or something like that. I know Jody Heiss has already visited his first secretary yeah. state run. And so like Kelvin King was like up now- in um, Kelvin King was traveling across the mountains in North Georgia. You know, he's, he was he was yeah. saying he was going to visit all 159 counties. And I can't remember the exact time period, 60 days or something. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've already. I've already heard that some of the candidates who are running for Senate are making their way up to DC to start sitting down and do interviews. Mm-hmm. with some of the, the, the special interest groups, like, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember who's, I know someone told me that they met with uh, one of the candidates. I think it may have been Kelvin King. They met with well, one or two of the candidates who are running in the Georgia Senate race. So like those, those meetings are already happening. The, the people yeah. are starting to seek out endorsements and trying to get support lined up. So um, if Herschel's going to run, like, and I don't think he is at, I don't think he is at this stage, a candidate who's going to clear the field. Um, no. Because there's just too many questions about him, right? Exactly. So indeed, it's it's and it uh, kills it kills me as a Georgia Bulldogs fan to even have to say any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and look, I, I would look. I'm a Tech fan. I would consider voting him for him, uh, but you know, I, I, there, there is a lot of questions. You know, all of that aside, we really don't know where he stands on any issue that's important to voters right now. I, I, I have no idea what his views. Well, on, on these things are, and I'm, you know, he's going to have to explain them to guys well, like me. I mean, I know that that's seems to be less and less important. It's more, unfortunately in, in the Republican circles, it's more about what's your loyalty meter related to Trump, but, and obviously he, he peg, he hits the, he pegs that meter, but um, I want to know what he's, what he stands for and what he's going to try to do in, in DC. What, why does he want this job? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the litmus test, I mean, well, I know what the litmus test is, but I don't know what the average Republican voter is looking for anymore. It used to be, 
right. uh, you know, a commitment, to, a commitment to limited government and, um, and uh, you know, uh, not necessarily free markets, but at least fiscal sanity. And, and I don't think you can say that. Re- you, well, you, I mean, it's not, I don't, it's not that I don't think you can, you can't say that anymore about the Republican party. I don't know what they say yeah. anymore. We've discussed, yeah. and we've discussed that sure. on the podcast before, but like, it's just, it seems to be like that the loyalty to Trump is the only test you have to pass. It's right. like, you know, it, it, but it, to some degree, I guess it's, I guess things are changing with the times. It used to be, I'm a Reagan Republican. Now I'm a, I'm a Trump Republican. It's like, okay, well, I'd rather not. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear the term a lot. And I guess, you know, uh, maybe we're jumping ahead here. Burt Jones, uh, in his in his statement, when he was announcing he was running for lieutenant governor, he said he's going to uh, do a number of things and then pursue the America first agenda. And uh, I mean, that's a, that's a very popular phrase in Trump world. I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the, uh, an America first agenda means. I don't know what it means if you're a statewide candidate in Georgia. Right. That's, yeah. what, you know, cause it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, and I was going to move into to this anyway so I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because yeah, it was <laughs> your segue was better than mine but yeah I speaking mean, obviously, of people loyal to trump right <laughs> yeah speaking of people loyal to trump and people who 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 are just basically just i don't know anyway uh i was gonna make a reference that probably wasn't <laughs> but you know i mean it's it, it's i don't know like it just seems to me like this, this litmus test of like, you know, I'm America first, dude, you're running for Lieutenant governor, right? Like you're going to preside over the Senate and you're next in line for the governor's office. Should something happen to Brian Kemp, right? Which is, which is highly unlikely. So right. you're presiding, you're presiding over the Senate. You're an officer and all you, 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 that's, that's all you do. Like, so well, and it's also important when you say America first, you know, what, what comes to my mind is, there are things that are good f- that you can make the argument are good for America that might not be good for Georgia. Uh, and if you, you encounter this when you're in the legislature and this, there, was, there was 180 of us in the House. The, the, the views and the needs of the people in my district were sometimes at odds with uh, the views and needs of people in other parts of the state. And my job as the representative was to fight for their that that their needs and views were were represented and held. Uh, if I had just, if I had said, well, I'm just, you know, I'm a Georgia first, then people in my district, I think, could reasonably say, well, wh- what, what about us? And in those times when it's an odds, whose side are you on? And I, I think, you know, that that we'll have to see. I'm sure. I mean, Bert's a smart guy. He'll flesh out what he means by that. But you know, what does it mean? I, I mean, as lieutenant governor no, I mean, of Georgia, it's, I mean, obviously, yeah. you want the safety and security of the United States of America, of course. You, we take an oath, uh, people elected in Georgia take an oath to also to protect and defend the U.S. Constitution in addition to the Georgia Constitution. I, I get all that. But, you know, you're, you are the, your job is to represent the, the uh, 10 million people who live in the state of Georgia. And when we're like, for example, we're in water wars with Florida and, uh, and Alabama, for example. Um, the, what's in the best interest of the United States? That's it, probably in the best interest of the United States to to cut a deal on that thing. Is that the best deal for Georgia? You know, right? I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's also like you know, you know, what's like Georgia first? I mean, like what's good? Like you you alluded to this. What's good for what's good for Atlanta? You know, because Atlanta's half Metro Atlanta's half the state's population. 
yeah. you know, and like what's good for Atlanta, it could be reasonably argued is good for Georgia, but like what is like that may not that may not resonate with someone who lives in Valdosta or Cairo right. or Blairsville or Gainesville or Blue Ridge yeah. or or you know Dade County or whatever the case may be. Like those things, like those like how we view as Georgians view what happens in Washington, DC, where we're like, we hate most of it and we don't like it because what's good for like DC is recession proof and it's recession proof for a reason. What's good for DC is not necessarily what's good for the rest of the country. What's exactly. good for business. What's good for business may not necessarily be good for taxpayers. Yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of different ways to look at this and, and you know, and the, the whole concept of American for America first, is like, I remember in, in during World War II when that was a bad thing to be. So like, you yeah. know, and, and so like um, that's, you know, besides the point, but, but the, I mean, what does that mean in, in Trump world? Okay. So you like protectionism yeah. in your, your anti-interventionist. Yeah. Well, I agree with one of those things. I'm anti-interventionist too, but like the last time I checked, Georgia doesn't declare war on other countries and we don't right. set national trade policy. In fact, trade policy that if it's bad can actually hurt the port of savannah mm -hmm. well and and trump's trade well we know this trump's trade wars with china cost georgia farmers a lot of money a lot of money it hurt and immigration and and some of the anti-immigration legislation we've seen have hurt georgia farmers as well yep. so because yep. like you know and you may not like it and look i mean i'm not a restrictionist when it comes to immigration i actually think immigration is a good thing but you know, but it's, I mean, what, like this sort of nonsense we're hearing from a statewide candidate does not yeah. bode well necessarily. Yeah. And I, look, I, as I said, I, I, uh, I serve a bird. I, I like him. I think he's a good guy. I'm, I'm interested to see how he performs out on the campaign trail. He's, he's running against Butch Miller, another seasoned politician who I like and served with, you know, I was in the house side, obviously, but it's, it's going to be a really interesting race you, you, that you're setting up, but you know, these things, as a, I'm the kind of voter, I'm looking not just for slogans and, you know, you, you toss out America first. That's obviously a nod to uh, as if as if Bert needed any further nod to the Trump supporters. But that's a nod to Trump supporters that I'm one of you. And, uh, you know, let, let's flesh that out. What does that mean? What does that mean for Georgia and why should I care? And I realize uh, I, may, I may have re referred to, to, to Burt Jones as Butch Miller earlier. I meant Burt Jones. Um, but, you know, don't listen to me. I'm a Pepsi drinker. <laughs> Speaking of signals. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the Peach Planet Broad podcast powered by Diet Pepsi. <laughs> to quench your thirst, choose Diet Pepsi. There went half of our listenership. <laughs> right, exactly. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, Butch Miller... You know the uh, the Gainesville business community uh, is is strong, and they are loyal. They get behind candidates that you know from their area. You know Doug Collins uh, uh, was a, uh, a supported well by that group. Uh, they, they elect this this the folks in Gainesville elected a governor and Nathan Deal, and elected a longtime lieutenant governor and Casey Cagle. And so uh, they put their money where their mouth is. And so, you know, Butch is going to be well-funded there. And of course, uh, Bert, that's it, it, going to set up an interesting dynamic. MAGA world versus uh, the Gainesville, the very powerful Gainesville business community, which uh, has elected statewide officers before and is uh, hoping to do, do so again. So that's going to be interesting to watch. 
<laughs> no, it's it's gonna be it is gonna be interesting to watch. I mean, I'm I don't know. I'm 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 following all this stuff sort of. Um, I mean, through the federal lens in, in which I work mm-hmm. at this point in time. But I mean, I mean, I've told you guys before, and I've said before on this podcast, I get all, I get asked all the time if there's any hope of of flipping the Senate or flipping Warnock seat or uh, uh, of what I think is going to happen statewide in the governor's race to, uh, in Georgia. And it's just like you know, I don't really know. I mean, right? Everybody's everybody seems to have lost their collective minds. So <laughs> yes, you know. that's true. <laughs> we live in stupid times, that's for sure. <laughs> We really, we really, we really do. I mean, and, and I don't know. And, and speaking of stupid, stupid times, I mean, and we have some stupid elected officials, um, including uh, representative, she who must not be named uh, from Georgia's 14th congressional district who has gotten herself banned from Twitter. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And Seven days, I think this time. And I, I, I think I, I didn't see the tweet, um, but I think she was claiming that uh, the vaccines just don't work. And um, yeah. I mean, you can think what you want about vaccines, but I, I think, you know, the, I mean, to me, the biggest indicator to me that vaccines are working is as we're seeing a rise in, uh, in cases, we are not seeing a corresponding rise in deaths. Uh, or even hospitalizations. And so I think, yeah, I mean, there, I know there are reports of hospitals being stressed in Georgia and various parts of the country, but we're not seeing a corresponding rise in death. And we're seeing a very small number of people who are vaccinated finding themselves in the hospital or uh, in really bad situations, a very small number. So including, including some people we know too. I mean, and, yeah. and I, I don't want to, I don't want to reveal personal information here but i mean i found out last night about one person who who yeah. i who i've known for several years who uh is in the hospital and in an yeah. icu and is is seems to be struggling very very seriously with with covid um yeah. and but i mean i think that's one thing that we we have to um we kind of have to remember here it's it's you know vaccinations i was having a conversation about this earlier today and vaccinations are not um I don't think anybody ever said that this vaccination would would completely guard you against COVID. Like if you, oh. if you it doesn't mean you're not going to get it. It means that it'll be less severe, or at least hopefully less severe. Yeah, um, and that, certainly that's what you know Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson have been saying, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and and so like it was it was our hope, like the vaccines are hope to return to normal society as quickly as possible. I mean, there's still right. a chance that you could catch COVID. There, look, there's still a chance I could catch COVID. I'm vaccinated. I've been fully vaccinated for almost four months now. Uh, and 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 I, I know every time I go out into DC or every time I go out when I, to a grocery store and I'm at home, I've actually found myself going out at home a lot less lately. Yeah. Um, but part of, part of that was because my car was in the shop last week. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, this week I've been in DC. I mean, I've, I, you know, uh, you know, I've, um, you know, I, I stopped at a van store, you know, to, and yeah. I, I bought a new t, new t-shirt and, and some new socks, you know, at a van yeah. store. I've, I've been in the office every day this week. I had, you know, I had lunch, I had dinner last night. I had, I had lunch yesterday. I had lunch today, you know, going out and, and meeting with people and, and talking them. Some of this is lobbying activity. Some of it was catching up with friends. Yeah. Um, and I realize I'm taking that risk, but like, you know, um, but I'm vaccinated. Like if I get it, it shouldn't be as severe Right. And as the, the people who are getting it who aren't vaccinated, because everything, you know, what we know about the the Delta variant, I mean, it's 
it strikes pretty fast and it's pretty harsh in terms of, yeah. of the, what the, the symptoms it causes on causes in the body. And, you know, I take, you know, with, with, um, the dark Lords comments, um, you know, I sort of take issue with them and it's not just yeah. those comments. There are other comments she's made too. Right. Um, you know, she was in, she was in Alabama recently, yeah. I think the, I think the end of July. And I saw this on Reddit, um, where yeah. Marjorie, she who shall not be named said um she she is quoted as saying well what they don't know is that in the south we all love our second amendment rights and we're not real big on strangers showing up at our door are are we alluding to the fact that um biden was going to send people door to door to make to to urge people to get vaccinated and she further said they may not like the welcome that they get yeah and it's it's you it is wholly irresponsible yep to say things like that, especially in this political environment, where we literally had people lead an insurrection to go into the Capitol and try to try to stop yep. a, a constitutional duty that Congress has to certify an election. Yep. And it's she's also not out there true, saying, right? I mean, yeah, we love the Second Amendment, but what's the reputation of the South? Southern hospitality. So, I mean, that you don't immediately open your door and armed with your shotgun i mean that's not what happens down here come on right i don't right. know i mean, i i don't know what the heck she was talking about i mean it's, it's just it's it's you know political posturing uh, uh you know bordering on dangerous political posturing because uh yeah it's it, I, so I don't know, is, the, is the biden administration even talking about this anymore i mean it it, it seemed like they floated out a trial balloon at it went over like a lead balloon and that was the last you heard of that because it was a yeah, it was a dumb her, idea but her, her spokesman who is a moron said denied that she was suggesting this is from the post uh, her spokesman denied that she suggested people shoot those promoting vaccines and this is the quote your colleagues in the fake news in the fake news are making things up and attributing things to her that she did not say well, let's go through that quote one more time this is what the dark lord said in this clip well what they don't know is that in the South, we all love our Second Amendment rights, and we're not real big on strangers showing up at our front door, are we? They might might not like the welcome they get. Yeah. It's hyperbolic, yes, for sure, but what's the logical conclusion from a statement? Yeah, scene? yep. <laughs> I'm a gun owner. I'm a gun owner. I'm a gun owner. I, yep. I, I, I own one. I only own one gun. I have a, yep. I have a, nine, I have a nine millimeter. I have a nine millimeter. I want an AR-15. I just haven't prioritized that yet. I would rather buy a new guitar than an AR-15. Um, I know I need to get my priorities in, in order. Here. <laughs> right. With, with 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 that said, what is the logical conclusion? The logical conclusion yeah. is if you come and knock on my door and urge me to get the vaccine, that I, you know we might shoot you. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's bad. It's really really bad and. She who must not be named needs to, for the thousandth time, needs to shut up. And Twitter's helping her do that, at least for seven days. <laughs> oh, good sweet Jesus. <laughs> Lord, come and take us all now. Um, Where's the sweet meter uh, when you need it? <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, gosh. You know, in a nod to our, our old friend, Doug Maticonis, who unfortunately recently uh, left, left this uh, plane of existence. R.I.P. Doug used to say, uh, "Bring the sweet meteor of death." Um, 
<laughs> so, jeez, uh, <laughs> Lord help us. Uh, before we get to uh, some things brewing in the governor's race, wanted to talk a little bit about, since we're on the, the topic of COVID and vaccines. Um, so apparently, uh, Brandon Beach, uh, State Senator Brandon Beach, is going to introduce legislation to prohibit private businesses from mandating vaccines or refusing service. Buzz, I take this as baking the damn cake. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, to you know, remain intellectually consistent here if you, if you say, if you think, as I do, that um, a, a baker, for example, should not be compelled to bake a cake uh, that conflicts with his religious beliefs or other uh, strongly held beliefs, then you can't turn around and say that a, that same baker must therefore serve a person who might be sick with COVID against their will. Uh, I, I just, uh, and it, it's, I don't know how you can square that, square that circle there. And, and that's just one problem with that bill, in my opinion, that proposed do remember, legislation. Do you remember years ago, the parking lot bill? That the NRA, yeah. the, the, NRA, the NRA, NRA yeah. Yeah. It, Wayne LaPierre came down here and tried to push this piece of legislation that would require businesses to allow employees to keep a gun in their car, even if they ban firearms of the premises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I had a, I had a real, and I mean, it seems like everybody did. I think even like a couple of the state gun groups were, I know, I know Georgia gun owners, Georgia gun owners was, I think they were opposed to it. Um, but uh, Georgia Carey, you mean? Right. Georgia yeah, Carey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Georgia Carey, yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, it was a property it, right. right. Yeah, when you have conflicting rights, I mean, uh, to me, property rights is, is, uh, is higher. <laughs> <laughs> then, no, then and, and this is, this is carry a gun anywhere you want to, right? I mean, there's yeah, it's, it's it's the same reason I don't like I don't like smoking bans. I mean, like let the property right. owner decide, and the market will. I mean, to this day, yeah. I, I, you know, I think smoke. I think indoor smoking bans in of, of all businesses is stupid. It's like let the property owner decide if he doesn't yeah. want it. The market will. If he doesn't want to do that, the market will will weed him out. You know, yeah. um, and people will stop coming. But you know this this is a horrible infringement on people's property property yeah. rights to sit there and say that you have to do this. You, you, well, you, that you can't ban you, that you, that you, you can't have um, mass mandates and that you have to serve people yeah. uh, who, who haven't been vaccinated or whatever the case may be. And I realize Ron DeSantis has done this and that's like the popular thing right now, right. but yeah. this, like this, this, this is a, a level of lib owning that just doesn't, yeah, make we have to sacrifice property rights to own the libs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, there are a few. I've seen pictures on Twitter and stuff that there are a few restaurants in Atlanta that are saying, "If you're not vaccinated, you're you're not welcome." They say a little nicer than that, but that's essentially what they're saying. They have every right to do that. They, in my opinion, they have every right to do that, and I have, you know, just like uh, getting vaccinated is a choice. And to be clear. Senator Beach is not, uh, he, he, in his, you know, the interviews that I saw with him, he is saying he's vaccinated and please go get vaccinated. So he's not saying that. He just, uh, for whatever reason, he thinks that uh, businesses should be prohibited from, from uh, keeping people out. And I, I don't, uh, this is, it's, it's, a, it's a bad, it's bad law, in my opinion. And hopefully it, uh, if he does indeed introduce that bill, hopefully he'll rethink that and not do that. Uh, and not introduce that bill. And if he does introduce that bill, hopefully it goes nowhere because uh, it's 
it's it's unnecessary meddling in the in the private affairs of a business when as you said jason the market will sort it out if you don't want to yeah. do business with a person who says that uh, you know if you don't want to get vaccinated and and a business refuses to serve you you can go someplace else and you can say i will never shop in that store ever again and that's your right to do so no it's 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 just it's it's one of the it's an exceedingly dumb idea it's yeah. an exceedingly dumb idea. Property rights matter. That's it. Yeah. That's so that. That's it. That's the tweet. You know, property rights yeah. matter. You know, so I don't know. In other Georgia-related news, uh, we have our, our good friend George Chidi. Am I pronouncing his last name right? I, I always feel like I get that wrong. Um, I was calling Chidi, but I guess I've never, Chidi. I've never Chidi asked Chidi. him. <laughs> I've, I've never asked him either, and and I only know him by George. Um, so he has a, a, a an interesting piece over at Decaturish.com. Uh, where he is, he is, the, the headline is Stacey Abrams silence causing great disturbance among Democrats. And it goes in with the theme that Stacey Abrams might not run for governor of the state of Georgia. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I, I talked with, I chatted with George about another matter uh, just today after I read his article. And um, <laughs> I think his, he's a loyal Democrat. His point is that uh, somebody needs to run for governor. <laughs> and uh, that that person, sort, sort of like we were talking about, uh, related to what we were talking about with Herschel Walker, you know, it, yeah. uh, it's it's time, you know, in, in the minds of, of George and many others, if Stacey's going to run, she needs to get out there and start running. Uh, otherwise, um, people may uh, people may move on from her and, and she might find herself in a primary race. And I think uh, George mentioned that uh, Calls are being made. Uh, I, I believe you mentioned Michael Thurman, who's former labor commissioner, now CEO of DeKalb County, um, is uh, very respectful, you know, trying to be as respectful as he can to, to Abrams, but, you know, testing the waters and seeing yeah. if, uh, if he should be the guy who steps up and runs for the Democrats. And the longer Abrams wait, we, you know, we talked last week about her, her tour that doesn't include any stops in the state of Georgia. Um, you know, that, that's only adding to that, that, uh, uh, that nervousness that a lot of Democrats must be feeling now. So, yeah. And, and, and to some degree, <clears throat> I hope Thurman does run. I mean, cause his, his career in Georgia politics is, is pretty, particularly notable. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm pulling this from Wikipedia, but <clears throat> I remember tweeting about this, uh, and during the election last year when Raphael Warnock got elected, uh, so Wikipedia notes in 1986, he became the first African-American elected to the Georgia General Assembly from Clark County since re Reconstruction. During his legislative tenure, uh, Thurman authored major legislation that's provided more than $250 million in tax relief to Georgia's, Georgia's senior citizens and working families. He was elected in um, the following November in 1998. It looks like he was elected Georgia Labor Commissioner, becoming the first non-incumbent African-American to be elected statewide in Georgia. I feel, I'm sorry, I have a cat underneath me here who is meowing at me. <laughs> um, and I'm reluctant to, to, to mess with this cat because I think this cat could kill ISIS. Um, <laughs> What's Zoom without so, an animal appearance, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, this is, his name is Indy and I'm actually scared of him. Um, so, uh, and um, so, uh, but he, I think he, he didn't, he, I can't remember if it was him or Thurbert Baker. I know Thurbert Baker ran for, I think, governor in 2000. 10 or maybe maybe it was six i don't remember but Thur he was either thurman or Thur there he is there's indy uh but i know i know i know thurman i thought he tried to do something maybe run for senate or something right. else it's not it's not showing up on wikipedia but he tried to seek higher office and lost 
I think um, so. But you know, he he's currently DeKalb County CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, you know, he is. I mean, I don't know. I, I think there would be some measure of poetic justice if he were to run and win. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, not that I want him to want him run and win. I mean, you know, I mean, but like it's. I'm just saying, like considering his his distinguished career in Georgia politics. Yeah, I agree, and I, th- I think uh, you know Thurbert. In, in my observations of him, is is <laughs> uh, he, he seems to be a level-headed individual who uh, you know, they brought up. You know, he, he if I'm if I'm I maybe if you know one of our viewers can correct me if I'm wrong. They brought him in to be the superintendent of DeKalb County Schools at a time when there was a lot of turmoil in the school system, and right. it was precisely because of his reputation as a, a a calm, cool individual who could stabilize that situation, and he did. And then he got himself elected to Cab County CEO and, you know, contrast his time. We, he's not in the news every evening like a, uh, uh, you know, Brian Kemp's current uh, uh, primary challenger, Vernon Jones, when he was uh, Cab County CEO. So I think you see, again, uh, even in a, you know, th- there have been a lot of people critical of the CEO model for county government, but Michael Thurman seemed to be making it work and, you know, yeah. having a base in Cab County to run from is a not a bad thing if you're wanting to seek seek statewide office on the democratic side and uh uh thurmond is also an author he wrote freedom georgia's anti-slavery heritage uh 1733 to 1865 so um that's i'm actually going to save that on my amazon list i'd like to read that if i can find it somewhere i know it's not currently available on amazon but he was a distinguished distinguished lecturer a lecturer can't talk today at the Carl Benson Institute of Government um, mm-hmm. in the late '90s, uh, so but no, like I said, it would be. It seems like it would be some some measure of poetic justice if he were yeah, to, indeed. to run and win. So uh, I think but that's that, all I, I, I mean, got. Uh, perhaps perhaps a person like Thurman starting to express interest will force Abrams' hand. You know, uh, I think. Look, if if she were to run, if if Thurman's out there running and Abrams gets in, uh, she's still the prohibited favorite, but she has to expend some energy and she'd have to. You know, she'd have to explain to people why it took her so long to get in the race, I think. And it's, uh, it's, it's that it's that it's that meme of the guy with the stick in his hand poking at something, go do something. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. That's kind of that's kind of what we're that's kind of where we're at with Stacey Abrams like now. It's like do do something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> uh that I don't have anything else, Buzz. I don't know if you've got anything else. Um uh, I no. think that's a I think that's mostly a wrap on this this week's Peach Funded podcast. Yeah, um, probably but so. It's, it's it's good to see you as always. And next week I'll be back. Absolutely. I'll be back in at home in in Covington and a safer and, uh, distance from DC than you are now. Yeah, I'm only twenty. I'm twenty miles away right now, so it's not you know it's not it's not it's that still bad, within but, the nuclear know, blast zone. So thank you, Buzz. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I mean, that's. <laughs> That's that's great. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> of course, we didn't touch. We, one thing we haven't touched on mainly because I haven't looked at it at all um, is, uh, you know, the three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation uh, yeah. budget that they passed last at this morning at four o'clock in the morning, which I don't want to go on and talk about because I don't know anything about it. But um, that's well, I, I, I do have a I have a question for you about that. I guess my reading of it, you know, reading just reading news articles, it's more or less a framework that includes a list of things that Democrats want to happen, but you know Bernie Sanders has weighed in that you know three you know the three and a half trillion is not enough. Um, it, 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 he wanted it, six. Yeah, 
<laughs> and then, of course, the house is not in town, right? They're not even in town. So it, it's, it's going to be a while before they take it up. And then there's you know, various factions within the, the House Democrats that are, uh, you know, if there's no way they would even consider the $1 trillion infrastructure bill that passed earlier this week without this one. And, you know, AOC has thoughts on what should be in that bill. <laughs> She's kind of in the Bernie Sanders uh, lane of things. So uh, it, 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 it's amazing because it, what appeared to be a, a pretty good win for Joe Biden when they passed the $1 trillion really is not it's not that big a win because the house has to pass both of those things and that seems far from certain and then if you start moving then what do people like uh cinema and mansion do so if you yeah, start so putting that bill up even more so, somewhere in there's a question for you i don't know <laughs> let's start with the 1.2 trillion dollar bill so that passed the senate there were 19 republicans who voted for it that goes over to the house pelosi has said they don't plan to take that up immediately Mm -hmm. um so uh so then you have the budget now the senate passed that at four o'clock this morning after the require so they're doing so that's like it's, it's kind of tough to explain i've been through three rounds of this so you'll have to excuse me and i still have uh nightmares over my first two experiences with reconciliation <laughs> um so my first two experiences with reconciliation when i was working for freedom works was the healthcare bill and mm -hmm. then um and then tax cuts and jobs act although tcja was like notably easier um, so budget reconciliation so the, the entire process starts with the pas passage of a budget resolution that that sends specific instructions to different committees so yeah. and i haven't looked at i haven't looked at the specific budget budget resolution so i don't know which committees have been given instructions but i imagine it's probably several of them so you can imagine ways and means ed and labor energy and commerce um you know uh there's you know, they're in the corresponding Senate committees as well. So that'd be finance, um, uh, help. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, so yeah, so it's probably, I think the first round of reconciliation they did earlier this year was, I think 10 to 12 committees got mm -hmm. instructions. So they come up with a deficit target or a, a specific dollar target for each of those committees. Um, and those committees cannot, are not supposed to spend or produce legislation over that amount. Mm, um, okay. So, so that's been done by the Senate. It goes to the House. Now, you mentioned the House is not supposed to be in session for a while. That is, that was true. Mm, okay. uh, so, under the under the calendar, uh, as released by the Majority Leader's Office of the House, so that's Steny Hoyer's office. The House was not due to come back into session. They, they've been in recess since the end of week before last. So. Um, uh, not this past Friday, but Friday before last. That was when they like that was the, when they adjourned like 31st for, or something, right? Yeah, that's when they adjourned for August recess. Yeah. Um, so they so they're not they weren't supposed to come back in until Monday, September 20th. That was until today. Yeah. Uh, I actually got a note today. I got a note today from uh, 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 Congressman Scalise's office, who's the House Minority Whip, um, and saying that according to the Majority Leader, they'll be back in session to consider the budget resolution as well as a voting uh, HR for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act mm -hmm. uh, during the week, or possibly that the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill, uh, the week of uh, August 23rd. So okay. th they're going to be back in. I don't know how many days. It could be the full week. I don't know yet. Um, but they're going to be back in session this month to consider the budget resolution. But they're kicking the, the bipartisan bill, the $1.2 trillion bipartisan bill. I mean, I don't know when they're going to take that up. 
Yeah. But it will. It, it sounds like it'll probably be in October because when they come back. The, yeah. So if the three point five trillion falls apart, then the one point true two is in danger as well because you know the, yeah. the, the folks like AOC and Bernie Sanders are not going to be satisfied with just that. Well, I mean, the only reason Bernie Sanders would ever see it again is if the House amends it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think the they don't, I don't, I would think that House Democrats would not want that bill amended in any way, shape, or form. So that they're just gonna, right. they would just pass it and get their priorities in the the partisan bill. Yeah. Um, so you know, but like Joe Manchin has said, and so Kirsten Cinema has said, they're gonna vote for the budget, but they they're really reluctant to spend three point five trillion dollars. Right. So, and, and Manchin has specific, uh, specifically highlighted inflation concerns and cinema. I don't know what her specific beef was, but she, she balked at it too. Yeah. So I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen there. So because it's the reconciliation process, it's not like a normal bill that can go back and forth numerous times. Right. I mean, it, it, how does that, how's that process different than obviously they, they avoid the, uh, you know, the, 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 the filibuster, mm -hmm. but and they only have to get 50 votes right. or 51 votes, 50, 50, 51 votes. Yeah. Yeah. Including which one of the tiebreakers would include the, the, the vice president. Yeah. So the budget just starts the process. So each committee yeah. has to eventually come up with that legislation. Uh, the house budget committee will get the legislation. They'll consolidate it into one bill or they can mm -hmm. do multiple bills. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really, they could do 12 different bills if they wanted to, or however many different bills they could take each one separately. Generally speaking, they take the bill and they combine it into one. Yeah. And then they they vote on it that way. So so first is the budget resolution. And then weeks later, it'll be the actual legislation that was produced under reconciliation. It'll yeah. go through the House. It'll go through the House and then it'll go through the Senate. And in the Senate's where it gets pretty, pretty interesting, because um, in the Senate, the reconciliation process is one that if the, that. It's really hard to explain. I wrote a post. I wrote a post about this, and this probably would be good to talk about next week. Right. Um, uh, after I refamiliarize myself with what I wrote, do you remember? <laughs> do you do you remember when Democrats were trying to do? Um, they were going to try to do a minimum wage increase through budget yeah. reconciliation. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Earlier, so, the, earlier this year. Well, I guess that would have been part of the COVID relief uh, bill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. The problem with that was it, it was that the Senate parliamentarian said that it that the so Democrats were trying to say, well, this this will have a revenue impact and a mm -hmm. spending impact because these people will be paying more in taxes. Um, yeah. Therefore, it's 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 valid under the, the Byrd rule, which is a, a rule named after Senator Robert Byrd, who who didn't want non germane things or, or policy provisions in what a process that's supposed to deal with three things and three things only that is yeah. direct spending revenue and the debt limit. Yeah. Um, so God, this is getting weedy. Um, so, uh, any the viewers wage, this, uh, yeah, only the nerds the minimum, are <laughs> the minimum wage, the minimum wage in and of itself is not a revenue or spending piece right. and it doesn't right. touch the debt limit at all. Um, uh, and so, you can do if you're doing spending or revenue. You can the 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 actual legis the actual statute says that you can do terms and conditions, right. uh, and and attach policy to that. But it has to be tied to some sort of revenue enhancement uh, right. or cut or some sort of spending increase or cut. Yeah. 
um, that you can't, you can't, it cannot, the terms and conditions cannot be the, the, the reconciliation piece itself. Right. Um, so that's where they ran afoul, despite the, the, I think it was like $80 billion in new tax revenue or something like that. It didn't, or right. three, it was, I don't know, it was 80 to 300 billion. I don't remember what, what it was, but right. the, the statute is very clear that it right. violates the, the rules of reconciliation. So if you want to change that, you have to amend the budget, the budget act of 1974, which provides for reconciliation. Right. And, and I would, I would argue what Democrats are doing is really an abuse of reconciliation, but yeah. that's, that's neither here nor there, but it, it's, it's not it's really the budget, right? It's not, it's not the budget. It's a, it's a, it's a, a laundry list of democratic uh, uh, wish, you know, some wish list. Right. I miss that, that, yeah. they've been dreaming about this, uh, you know, passing these sorts of things for years and years. And now's their chance. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And 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 it's really interesting because like if it, this fails, because you got to remember, like the margins in both the House and the Senate are so yeah. incredibly tight. Yep. I think there's there's a three or four vote margin. It changes. And I don't remember what it is. Specifically. I think it's three right now in the House. There's a three yeah. or yeah, there's a three or four vote margin in the House. And like you it's a 50 50 Senate. Right. So, and you've already, you've already got Manchin and Cinema saying they're not going to vote for three and a half trillion dollars. Yeah. And you have, you have a bunch of moderates who know they're on the chopping block in the general election next year. Yep. And then you have the fire breathing progressives who are like, yeah, if you don't, yo, if you don't do our, if you don't do the shit we want you to do, we're going to vote against this thing too. Like if you, if you don't do, yeah. you know, environment and, you know, stuff related to environmental, our environmental causes, if you don't promote yep. social justice, whatever the case may be, we're going to vote against it. So it's, yeah. it seems like it's, it's 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 actually pretty ballsy what they're trying to do, and yes. and I, I commend them for their cojones. But like it might all come back <laughs> and bite them in the ass. Yeah, and it, it's going to be pretty funny if that's the, if that's actually what happens because there Republicans aren't going to vote for this like in no. in either chamber. Like no, not, usually, not you, you usually have a couple of Republicans on the House side who might vote for stupid Democratic bills like Brian Fitzpatrick or uh, Fred Upton. Like right. those are the most likely, those are the most, most likely characters to vote for a democratic back piece of legislation. Uh, but like, they're not going to touch this either. No, no. So, so <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering what's going to wind up happening uh, yeah. when, when this is all said and done, if you go too far for the moderates, because you got to remember just right before Congress recessed, the commerce justice and science appropriations bill was pulled for con from consideration on the floor because the moderates were worried about the yeah. defunding the it, it wasn't really defunding the police per se there was just strings attached to the money that right. opened up to a tax that like if, right. well, if, if police departments who would get these grants don't do x y and z they don't get the money uh, so and I, the the uh a group of moderates in the house wrote nancy pelosi a letter just this week, warning that you know that they're sort of sort of in line with Mansion and and Cinema that they three point five trillion is too much, you know. I mean, but you know, who who knows? We're talking to such enormous numbers. Who you know? Who who even knows <laughs> what that even means? It, it, oh, nothing matters. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can stomach that, but <laughs> I I I mean, it, you got to keep in mind, like it's I don't. I, I haven't, there's not, there's no legislation. So there's no score for right. this. So, and I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't read the budget. So I don't know, I don't know how long they're planning on doing this. Budgets are done in a 10 year window. Mm -hmm. The, the help, the bill that Democrats passed back in uh, February, I think, or March, um, that was, uh, it was scored through a 10 year lens. Um, yeah. And, and I think about 70 to 80% of the spending was in the first two years. Yeah. So, because it it went out, it went all it went out ten years, but 
at the end of the day, like some of the things that you're, that you got, you're talking about here, like when those provisions begin to expire, there's gonna be a panic. Well, we have to extend that provision. So the deficits, right. the deficits that are created from that tend to tend to always stay around because there are popular provisions that nobody wants to expire. Right. <laughs> so it's so, you know, um, yeah, that's kind of the situation. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm not explaining this right. We can, we can, we can have another oh, this discussion I'm about to grasp this. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, I wrote a, I wrote a piece, um, and maybe it's maybe it's something I could repurpose and post at Peach Bonnet, just kind yeah. of explaining the budget reconciliation process. I haven't, you know, the one that passed earlier this year because of my, I was still at FreedomWorks at the time, but like I wasn't, I was on my way out, so I didn't care. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but uh, I'm happy. I, I may have even written in March. I don't remember after I left FreedomWorks, but I'm happy to repurpose that. I might even do that tonight after the after I get the podcast edited. And sort of explain budget reconciliation um, yeah. and kind of how it, very, kind of how it works. The very different process than like the Georgia legislature, which is a mystery is. to most people uh, too. But uh, <laughs> but you were one thing you would ask is whether the legislation can be kicked back and back back and uh, to each other. The answer to the question is is yes, but there's a an asterisk the size of uh, Georgia beside that, and mm -hmm. the reason I say that is because. Um, I mentioned Votorama on the budget. Right. Um, Votorama is not a one-time thing. Mm. Every yeah. time reconciliation legislation comes before the Senate, it's subject to Votorama. That's so, just a string of uh, of amend of senators coming forward with every kind of amendment you can imagine, right? Unlimited amendments. You can't fill the tree. The leader can't fill the tree, and filling yeah. the tree means you're block effectively you're blocking amendments. So you yeah. can't fill the tree. So when the House passes its legislation and it goes to the Senate, the Senate will have a Votorama where you can have it's unlimited amendments. Basically, any idea you have, like they and they had this last night, any idea you have, and this will be more substantive because you'll be going in and targeting specific provisions of legislation where you can yeah. try to strike that out. So you'll you'll you're you're opening up uh, you're opening up uh, you know potentially vulnerable Democrats to pretty tough yeah. votes. Well, and, 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 and if, if it gets kicked those... back, but, it, but, but Buzz, if it gets kicked back over to the House and then the House makes yeah. another, the House makes an amendment or whatever, and it's, they send it back to the Senate, it goes yeah. through it again. Or more interestingly, when they go to conference yeah, and they work out an agreement, because that's probably most likely what's going to happen to limit that sort of thing. So the House votes on its bill, the Senate votes on its bill, post-votorama, it gets changed. They agree to go into conference. Um, that conference report is subject to Votorama. Yeah. Wow. And then of course, if any one of those with, you know, with you've described all the different factions, all the moving parts, the, the narrow margins that Democrats have there, one amendment passing could blow the whole deal up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because like Joe Biden yesterday voted for an amendment to to largely gut I mean, um, Joe Manchin. Joe, excuse me. Yeah. Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin yeah. voted for an amendment yesterday to largely gut Joe Biden's uh, electric, electric vehicle proposal. Yeah, it's, it's it's like uh, so. If if you go in I know there, electric and, vehicles in West Virginia, come on, right, right. So if you go in there, if you can't, if you go in there, and if 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 you have if you have you know, uh, you know tax credit, you know enhanced tax credits. I think it was like mean test means testing electric vehicles, mm -hmm. if I recall correctly. Um, if you go in there and you have that provision in there, and you don't have the means testing, uh, in because like let's face it, most people who buy electric vehicles are relatively wealthy, mm -hmm. um. So, you know, because those cars are like, you know, on the low end, a Tesla, a Tesla is like $35,000. On the high end, they're in yeah. the hundreds, 
or yeah. hundred thousand dollars or more. So like, right. you know, the, the tax incentives that come with that generally benefit the wealthy. Yeah. Um, and I would even argue a $35,000 car is someone who buys that's going to probably wind up making closer to a hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe yeah. a little bit more. Yep. So, you know, it's, 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 that's one of those situations where it's like, so if you're not means testing it, if you're not excluding people from higher incomes from getting that mansion may say, you know what, I'm going to support the Republican amendment to, to gut this provision. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, it's, <laughs> it's, it, that's why I say this whole thing is really ballsy to, to yeah. do so. And, and I'm not, and I say this I, and, and I'm not an expert in reconciliation, but I've been through it enough times. I feel like I kind of understand the process, yeah. um, you know, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. So, and that, I guess what's interesting about all this is, you know, Biden was celebrated yesterday and it was a, you know, it's been a long time since there's been a legislation, non, non-emergency legislation that received bipartisan support. Um, so that, that was kind of one of Biden's things that he promised he was going to do. We're going to get back to normal in Washington where we work out deals, where we're cutting deals and we get end up with, with bipartisan legislation. And yeah. that, that you would think that'd be a moment to celebrate that. But you realize this is this is just the first step in a very long process that could crash and burn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, re- it really could. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's a huge political risk for Democrats because if, fa- if it fails, you can't really blame Republicans because they I mean, they were never going to be with you anyway. No. And I thought that's actually I know a lot of well, there's a lot of Republicans criticizing um McConnell for going along with the with the 1.2 trillion infrastructure the past yesterday. I actually think it was pretty smart politically, because you're saying no, we 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 focused this bill on infrastructure, even though there's a lot of crap in it. it. This was an infrastructure bill, not this other bill where we call everything under the sun infrastructure and pretend that it's infrastructure. We are we are we are willing to work. We're willing to do good things for the people for American people, but you guys are doing this crazy stuff. We're not going to be a part of that. So they end up looking reasonable to, uh, I mean, uh, look, whether, whether fiscal conservatives like it or not, and this, this bothers me too. When you talk about infrastructure that has broad support across uh, the the country because voters think, Oh, they're going to fix those potholes down the road, or we're going to, you know, it's going to, that's what they think. And uh, a little bit of that happened, but, but it's a very popular bill. It's hard to stand in the way of it. Uh, if yeah. you're Mitch McConnell, so no, this may end up being a brilliant political move. So, so there, and, and look, and I, if, if I were a sitting Senator, I would have voted against the bill be, be, because of the deficit, deficit concerns alone that yes. people are saying like, well, it's only a $500 billion spend because everything else oh, has, is paid. For. Yeah. Everything else is paid for. It's like most of those pay for are budget gimmicks. Like, yeah. you know, they have, they have changes in mandatory, mandatory spending, which we call chimps. Like they have some of that, they have fees, they have other things. It's like, a lot of those are budget gimmicks and those right. things are never going to actually come to fruition. So the, the price tag is actually probably going to wind up being much higher than that 580 something billion that whatever the, yeah. the price tag, the, the real price tag they're saying it is. But I do think McConnell's play on this and, and taking the fiscal concerns aside and, and putting on just a pragmatic hat here, yeah. uh, rep, you know, with the conversations around the filibuster, with the conversations around uh, just the sort of toxicity in Washington, D.C., I think I yep. think McConnell needed this as much as Schumer did and as much yeah. as Biden did. More, yep. more so, Schumer probably didn't really need it. It probably benefited him more if Republicans said no and voted against it in mass. Yeah. 
uh, but Biden needed it and McConnell probably needed it too. And um, Schumer is just a beneficiary of, of it passing. Yeah. But uh, because with all the concerns with, with, you know, the Senate has, I mean, the term regular order gets thrown around in Washington quite a bit. Yeah. Um, that that was that bill was probably the most regular order I have ever seen Washington. And I've worked in Washington uh, for almost nine years mm-hmm. and I've worked directly in politics for almost seven, like directly, like, you know, in yeah. policy for almost seven. And that was the most regular order I have ever seen. Cause even first step, which was, you know, it passed 87 to 12 and it was a criminal justice bill it was bipartisan. You know, we had, you know, you know, only, only 12 Republican senators opposed it. Even that wasn't really regular order. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was, we got a time agreement in exchange for two amendment votes. Yeah. So Tom, for two or three amendment votes, so Tom Cotton and John Kennedy would shut the hell up. Yeah. And, and, you know, they got to say their piece, they got their amendment votes, they were voted down, we won. You yeah. Know? But that wasn't, that wasn't really regular order. Right. Regular order was, was, is this bill is on the floor. It was on the floor for almost two weeks. And there yeah. were, there was amendment after amendment. There was old school politics. There were senators going to the floor, objecting, you know, blocking unanimous consent because they wanted yeah. votes on their amendments. Right. That is how it's supposed to work. And, exactly. you know, taking my hatred for spending more money aside, especially at a time of record budget deficits. Yeah. That is how the system is supposed to work. And it worked. Exactly. Maybe not on a good bill, but it worked. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And that's with that. Right. Yeah, with that, we've bored the I'm people gonna enough. Shut the hell up now. <laughs> if you want to know the finer points of budget reconciliation, you can always email me at jason at peachfunded.com. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, make sure, as I mentioned at the top, make sure you download, like, subscribe, do all the things, continue reading peachfunded.com. And um, we'll be, hopefully, we'll be back next week with Scott and Eric uh, yep. joining us as well. Uh, but, Buzz, it was good to see your face as always and you. the rest of you. Have a good rest of your week. We'll hopefully see you next week. Peace out. All right. See ya.